Welcome to Mad Radio Network. This is The Last Word on Hockey, Season 3, Episode 13. I'm your host, Jim Berenger, back alongside Coach Jay, Mark Weiss. Boys, welcome back after another successful week. Last week, we are talking hockey. We're back again, rolling along nicely here after the holiday break. Same here. Definitely are. We're glad to be back and. Certainly a lot to talk about, Some a, a lot less games being canceled, which puts a smile on my face. A lot more back-to-back-to-back-to-back said putting them through. Yeah, absolutely. We'll get to that in a bit. But first, we're just going to touch off, the t- start off the show and touch on some sad news. The passing of Clark Gillies, New York Islanders, Hall of Famer, legend, came out last night after the game that he had passed away at the age of 67, just shocking the hockey world. Um, number nine forever uh, in the Hall of Fame, 2002. You know, we were at the barn last year. We saw the we saw the banners. We know where it is. I mean, when I was there against Tampa, I got to meet him. Such a nice guy. Couldn't have been, you know, he's just talking hockey, whatever you wanted. Such a nice guy, but condolences to the family, and he will be sh- missed throughout the hockey world. You heard it last night, Butch Goring after the telecast in shock. A lot of people just, you know, just in shock with the news. I don't know what you say. I I, I really don't. 67 in my book, way too young. Yeah. Too I said young. the same thing. Yeah. With our age, coming, and, yeah, 67 is too young. And, and, and I've seen him recently look like he was in great health, uh, sharp as a tack. This was a guy that, I know for a fact that other guys did not want to bump up against and fight because he was the epitome of the power forward of the 1970s. He could score, he could go around you, or he can go through you. So you pick and choose your poison. And he's the guy who gave the room for number 22 to be able to get to be able to get those those rocket shots off. Because you know when you got to play against a big guy like that, he gains space and he gives you space. And he stuck up for his teammates. And I just, you know, it's really shocking. Uh, that's the heart and soul of that team. And, you know, what else can you say? The, the the strangest thing I could ever say about that guy is when I saw him in a Buffalo Sabres uniform yeah. at the end of his career. It's just like, yeah. that's kind of like seeing Johnny Unitas in a San Diego Chargers uniform or Joe Namath in a, in a, in a Rams uniform or Bobby Orr in a, in a, in a Blackhawks sweater. It, no it way. It didn't feel right. It didn't feel right. No. no. That was a guy who should have finished his career as, as, on the island. He was the Islanders. I mean, you know, the one of the, the one of the pillars of the four straight Stanley Cups of the 1980s. I mean, and we've talked about this numerous times. They started in the late 70s putting that team together, and they were able to win, you know, was it 20 playoff series? They almost won five straight Cups, lost to Edmonton. I mean – you're never going to see that again ever in the National Hockey League. I mean, the Islanders, you know, you listen to the stories, you talk to those guys, you know, when those games went into overtime or something, they just knew they were going to win games. 
they just had that team. And then they add Butch Goring. They just find ways to get better. And this is before a salary cap. And you know, like, you know, again, it's different. It was a different time. But still, to go through to five straight finals and almost win five straight cups and win four straight cups, that's a lot. That says a lot about a team and a franchise. And they put this, they put the NHL on the map on Long Island. The Islanders, that's why you want to see them do well because they're one of those teams. I understand like the Rangers, Islanders, you know, rivalry, but it's one of those teams you like, you want to see do good, especially what happened to them in like the 1990s. Well, that, that was the lost, the Spano decade. Yeah, exactly. Well, that, yeah, we talked about that last week. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Islander fans don't want to talk about that. In no. So, but I, I go back to the history of this game and, and, I remember this expansion team out on the island, and, and everybody laughed at them for the first two years. And then the guy with the bow tie and the guy with the glasses fashioned together a team that became a perennial winner. And then they shocked the world in their third year when they went to the semis. And they lost to the Flyers, who won the Cup that year. But that was a hard-fought series. And they also eliminated the Rangers in a best two out of three in the opening round. And from that point, the team ascended. And Gillies was a mainstay on that team. And then, of course, they lost in overtime to the to the Leafs one year when they thought that that team was going to the Cup, and they didn't. Then they lost to the Rangers in six games in 78 Was it that the Lanny, Lanny McDonald goal, the Leafs? Correct. Yeah. That was the Lanny McDonald goal. I mean, you could have you could have sucked the air out of, you know, the joint when that happened because Island that those Islander teams, the two teams that before they won the Cup – those teams look like they should have been Stanley Cup winners. Yeah. And they just couldn't get over the hump. And people started talking about this is a regular season team. They can't win in the postseason. They're a bunch of chokers. Kind of like what people were saying about the about the Rays. Not yeah. the Rays. I guess about the Bulls. Same yeah. kind of thing. And then they beat the Flyers in 1980. And they knew how to win. And they rambled off four straight. And they didn't just win four straight. They were freaking unbeatable. And, you know, I'm a Ranger fan by 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 nature because I'm that's just there yeah. were no Islanders when I was when I started becoming right. a fan. There was only one team in New York, you know, when I was a, when I was when I was a youngster. And so obviously that's the team you're going to root for. But the Islanders really dominated, and a lot of people and I never I don't I I kind of disagree. Think that if Bossy wasn't injured, they would have won the fifth one because that was the year that they added Pat Lafontaine and Pat Flatley and they were driving for five. I just think it was Edmonton's time at that it, point. It was definitely Edmonton's times for sure because – But it would uh, have been a sweep. Yeah, but you, you hear – like you hear the stories when you talk to Wayne and stuff. He's like – he would walk by the Islanders dressing room and you just saw yep. what those guys went through yep. just to win, and, and that you know motivated him to win the next year. And I think the Oilers in that series were just a better team the <laughs> following year. They understood what it t- took to win after their well, we heartbreak. Say, Jimmy, you got to learn how to lose first. Exactly. I mean, win. look, and you can go back. You can go back with those Oilers teams too. The heartbreak against the Kings, the miracle on Manchester when they were up five nothing and lost. Like, yeah. and so I mean, Daryl Evans' goal in overtime and stuff. You can go back to then. I mean, look, the Islanders had a resurgence late in the eighties too. Don't forget, Lafontaine had the Easter uh, goal, the Easter epic, and then they went to a, a conference final in ninety three. That they had no business going to. So I mean, look, it's a sad, it's a sad day in the hockey world, Jay. If you got anything to add, just one thing. All right, Ranger fan, die hard. We we four cups in a row, man. The non Ranger fans used to dig, dig, dig deep. 
into us. Or you learn one thing. You learned you will we you learn to respect the guys on another team you wish you wanted on yours. Yeah. Okay. Clark Gillies, you know, man, who, man. Clark Gillies was the enforcer that played on a first line. He was that good as an off yeah. as, a, as a player. Yeah, it was. And yeah, it was. They, they, they were saying as a stat that he never had more than 99 minutes of penalties in a season. They say, well, how? With all the fights There's he no got one wanted to, to fight him. Who would want to start with him? Who would go up to him and say, hey, listen, Clark, how about I got to make a name for myself. You mind, you know, you know, you do me a favor like they do now? No. Because I wouldn't want to fight that guy. There yeah, was no, there was no, you do forever. me a favor like in wrestling. Can you put me over? You no. weren't fighting Claude Gillies. I, with that, the way he looked back in the day, even now I wouldn't want to fight him. No. The, you the wanted him on your team. We had the fatigue. We came out of the Smurfs. Yeah. Ranger teams came out of the Smurfs getting beaten up by everybody. And then here come the Islanders. We had Fatiu. You guys had Nystrom and, Cl Nystrom and and Gillies. And we maybe had Beck. Forget. Um, I've been seeing the videos of... Um, uh, oh, what's his name? Um, who tried to be a tough guy for the Rangers. Give him his credit. Um, and they show him getting his... Clearly, he picked a fight with yeah. Gillies. A Eddie Hospital. Hospital. Eddie Hospital. Uh, oh. And he tried to take on Gillies, and Gillies was like, and he beat the crap on crap. And that was the end of him trying to be an enforcer for the Rangers. You know, but how could you not respect the man as a hockey player, period, no matter what team he played on? And his stats, and his, and his stats, he almost was a point per. Well, I mean, that's he, why he's he in was, the Hall of Fame. I mean, all those guys on that team are in the Hall of Fame. Those guys are, were ridiculous, that team. Like, Do you remember their nickname back in those days? Who? When they played in the Coliseum. It was called Fort Never Lose. Fort Never yeah, Lose. Fort Never Lose. Fort, Fort Never, Never Lose. Lose. Fort Never yeah. Lose. I'll tell you a quick story. I had, I had dinner with Bobby Nystrom going back to 2004, and we were just chewing the fat about the game and stuff like that. And I said, Bobby, you're a guy who dropped the gloves. Who was the toughest guy you ever had to fight? And I was expecting him to say, oh, it had to be like Schultz or, you know, maybe it was Terry O'Reilly or somebody like that. And he goes, Clark Gillies in practice. He goes, there were times, there were times when the team was a little down and, and Al wanted to get us up. So we put us up against each other and we had to go. He goes and did not want to go with that guy. No, <laughs> never. No, definitely not. No, but Bobby again, he was a tough guy. Yeah, he was. Oh, Bobby oh, yeah. was a definitely a tough guy. I mean, we could talk, we could spend the rest of the show talking about those eighties Islanders. Um, but again, well, you just, know, I love my hockey history. <laughs> I know you do. I mean, so do I. I mean, look, I'm a young guy, but I know my hockey history as well. And the players today always have to realize that the game was built on the shoulders of those guys. You got to respect it too. I mean, but again, just a sad day in a hockey hockey it really world. Is. I'm really trying is. to celebrate his life, but it, honestly, it's tough to celebrate a guy who's 67 because there were so many more years there. Oh, if absolutely. Someone who's 97, you can be that Cavalier, but at 67, you're just gonna miss a guy like that. Because he was a guy's guy. I mean, look, like I said, I met him during the playoffs this past year at the Coliseum. He was a great awesome. guy. He's a great guy. He was interacting with all the fans. People loved him. Uh, he was chugging beers. I mean, it was awesome to see. So, I mean, just like like I said, all the condolences to the, um, out to the Islander family. Yeah, exactly. Islander family, the Gillies family, everybody. So, I know it's never an easy transition, but we're going to transition to talking about the game. <laughs> and we got to talk up. We got to start up in Montreal.
And we got to start off with the new general manager of the team is Kent Hughes. There's a lot I posted on my Facebook. There's a lot of back and forth. Ronnie Grossman, um, you know, talking. I was talking to a bunch of people. No one, you know, apparently it was Ken Hughes' job. If he wanted it, he took it. There are a lot of reports Danny Briere was going to get it. I guess the Flyers want to keep him within the organization too. But I like the hire. You know why? Because he's a hot, not only he's a hockey guy, but he's a business guy. And you need more of that in the game, especially with a salary cap error. Just look what Breeze was doing in Tampa. I like the hire. And it was funny. I was listening to TSN and they, were, they had a reporter from RDS on there. And somebody asked them about uh, his French and they're like, well, his French is just as good as my English on TV. So it's mm. like he did a good job. Look, Gordon, uh, Gordon and Hughes have a lot of work to do, which we'll get to in a minute. But I just want to get your guys' thoughts on the hire. Well, I like the hire. I, I, I like what the Habs are doing, quite frankly, because rather than do this piecemeal garbage that they've been doing over the years, they started from scratch. They brought in the guy who has the visionary, which was Jeff Gordon. And – now he got his guy. And choosing someone who was French-speaking was not his first priority. Choosing somebody he could work with, has a great business sense, and can help him build this once, you know, hallowed franchise back to where it needs to be is the most important thing. And I think when the day's done, when those guys do it, no one's going to care if that the fact that the guy's not English, not, not French first. It's right. not going to matter. What's yeah. going to matter is that team winning. Because Canadians fans, are as high as they were last year, that's as low as they feel this year, and they don't want to feel that way. Yeah, no, a great, great hire. I mean, Jeff Gordon, you put him as the pres president of your organization for the way he sees hockey. So let the man yes. do his interviewing, and he's going to pick a guy that he feels has the same vision, work, you know, work well. You know, he can speak whatever French, whatever the qualifications are. For every he's gonna speak wins. No one's gonna, he's gonna speak yeah. W's. That's what he's you know gonna what? He wins. speak talent. He's gonna speak talent. That's in every language in the world. Exactly. I mean, um, give him his give him his chance, and if he's not great, then he'll have an interpreter to help him through to get him through the rest of who doesn't have an interpreter? You're gonna not have a guy who can't speak English not play baseball, you know, if he doesn't have an interpreter. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, come on. Any anyway, but but Jeff Gordon is who's going to make the drafts, the, the, he has a GM. Like you said, he's good with money. And with Montreal, too, with the taxes, you're going to have to work with someone who can work around the money to get guys to come over when you're working with the cap. Exactly. It's, it's so good. You know, it's in the dollar exchange. Look, we know where Montreal was last year. Look, everybody expected them to be where they were last year. Unfortunately, things have not panned out this year. No Carey Price, no Shea Weber. Shea Weber's probably done for his career. Yeah. Price, we don't know when he's coming back, if he's coming back. They have a lot Allen's of Allen's out. Allen's Allen out. Allen's out. Montebal, Primo. Two goalies done. Look, well, they've been playing. They've actually Montebal's been playing. Been looking really good. They've actually been playing better. Uh, they stole they a point in Vegas. They, they stole a point in Vegas the other night. Um, but the well, thing they were is, leading in that game. They, yeah, they, they were. Kinda, they kind of kind of gave that one up a little bit. Yeah, but you got Sherratt. You got Kulak, you got Paquette, you got names out there that are going to be moved. Obviously, Sherratt. A couple of things I'm the hearing. Though, probably going to move. Yeah, um, but it's interesting because I'm hearing like Lekkinen might be a guy guys are going to go after. Maybe if somebody brought up the point, maybe you move Druan in a hockey trade to try to get some defense, try to build things around there. So they have some moves that they're going to make, and I think you know, I know everybody you know was 
a head scratching with the letter with the Rangers. I think that's something the, the Canadians should do too. Gordon and those two should come out with a letter and be like, look, we're going to rebuild this team the right way because he's a hockey guy and it worked with the Rangers. Obviously you get a, a top free agent, you know, Anderson, you know, has come out and said, I signed here because I want to win. Well, if they can do it the right way, you know, let the fan base know, Hey, we're going to, it's going to be a little bit, but don't Four worry. Exactly. No. And now look, the Rangers, that four-year plan from the letter, was it? Four years since the letter, right? 27, uh, 2018 when it came out. Yeah, yeah so really? yeah, four years since the letter, and look where they're, look where they're at. So I think, the, I think that's a smart strategy if the Canadians are doing it that way. Well, you know what? You bring up a great point because the track record of the letter worked for the Rangers, and Gorton was the orchestrator of that. Yeah. And if he does it here, who's going to turn around and point fingers at him and, and say anything? Because let's be quite honest. How many years of mediocre or bad hockey have the fans in Montreal seen? I mean, last year's great cup run was fantastic. It pumped up the base. It showed the base is still there. But the reality of it is this team needs to be rebuilt. There's no there's no, there's no patches you can put on it no. to get this team to be a contender. And those patches at best would get you to the point where you finish five points out of the playoffs. That's not acceptable. It needs to be rebuilt. They're doing it the right way. Trust Gordon. He's never failed wherever he's gone. No, he's never failed. I mean, we've talked never. about it. We've talked yep. about him from Boston to here to New York. He's a great hockey mind. I think he's improving his first, his first draft. Ownership to bring him in, in the first place. I think so, too. I agree with that 100%. Because you cannot have your flagship franchise flounder like they have. No, no. It was hard for us as Ranger fans to get that lettering and go through – two years of 50 shots a game, 60 shots a game and doing what they had to do to free up to, and then get these guys drafted and the meshing of the talent, cap, hockey, and the talent that he drafted is, is proving itself. So Montreal has a lot to look forward to with Gordon there. Trust whoever he hires. Well, and, and that's the thing, but the thing is Montreal has to start drafting like the Rangers do because they've missed a lot on their draft picks. They're and that's going to do with Gordon. That's yeah, exactly. Gordon Gordon's got the, right. the eye. He knows what he's going to do. And I think that's what they need to do because you've seen them go, okay, we're making a couple playoff runs and then we're just going to be bad. And then we're going to have another good playoff run. You want to be consistent. Look at, yeah. look, at, look at the Rangers. He drafted from the net out. The Rangers, yes. the Rangers had a yeah. surplus in goalies. And look at the surplus they have in young defensemen. Yeah. Oh. It's great. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. So I think he's going to do well with Montreal. I think Hughes is a good hire. Um, Coach is next. Coach is next. I don't think the charm is going to be around. No. They're going to give him an interview, but I don't think so. I think this team, no. you're going to see a complete shakeup this offseason with the Canadians. But I like the hire. I think he's going to be good. You mentioned the Rangers. You mentioned the surplus of um, defensemen of goaltending. Let's just let's just point, point this out. I watched the game last night against Carolina. I've seen a lot of comments. Look, before you before you cover your eyes, Carolina's say, an elite team. What do you expect? Carolina's an elite team. Carolina's a top contender for Stanley Cup. And the Rangers are an emerging playoff team. You saw that. I think, though, and I'm going to be honest, I know they're probably shaving Shesterkin for tonight. I get it. I would never have saved it for tonight. I would have put Gorgia against Arizona, and I put Shesterkin, and that's the difference in this game. Look, yes. I made a bet last night. I won a couple bucks on Tony D'Angelo scoring a point and uh, getting points and stuff wait, because wait, I knew that was going to happen. You got yeah, two he got a goal. Yeah. Look. It was a given. Yeah, 
It was a good that one was that a I was going to have. Like you Gorgiev and not him for the – Yeah. But weird. The, I like the way the Rangers are competing. They even they even though the score was five one at one point, they, they weren't out of it. They didn't no, give right. up, and they didn't give up. I think I think they had an emotional letdown after t- the Toronto win on Wednesday because you were at the game. I saw like they played really well, and they came back from three one. Reeves was a big part of it. Speaking of, he could be like a Clark Gillies type. I mean, he doesn't have the skill set like Gillies. But he's that enforcer out there that opens yep. up some stuff. And he could actually skate a normal shift. You don't have to bury him on the fourth line and play him two minutes a game. Exactly. Yeah, no. But but I think the resiliency of the Rangers this year is something you haven't seen in years past. That's a key. That's a key. That That's an identity that they're building. Coach, that's different. That would, that would get you through games for 60 minutes like the Islanders have been doing the last two years. To me. You know, we got to have I, that. I was at that game. I was. I was at that game, very fortunate enough to go. Shout out to Mr. Ragusa for inviting me at the nice. last second. You know, great seats at the game. It started off, they were they were down 3-1 before you can blink. But then again, coming off a long road trip, a lot of times teams don't do well on that first home game when they come back. They started off flat. The difference was Shesterkin kept them in the game. They got their sea legs, and then they took it to Toronto. And I think that could have been a difference if Shesterkin was in the game last night against Carolina. I'm not saying they win the game, but I'm saying it, they get a lot more confidence when he's in net, and it affords them the ability to take more chances and play more on the offensive side. There's no knock on Georgiev. I, I mean, no. a lot of people want to knock no. the guy and trash the guy. He's the backup goalie. You play him tonight against Arizona, and they win that game 3-1, 3-2, and we're all good. Shesterkin's got to play the A-teams. Yeah, he does. I agree. Hundred percent, he's got to play the eighteen. And, I mean, and it was a game, and they were off anyway. They put, they played what on Wednesday night. They were off Thursday. A young twenty-four-year-old goaltender with one day off should be fine to play on Friday. Right, I agree. Yeah, I, well, I, I think he should have been playing because you saw what Florida did against Vancouver off a of back-to-back. Even yeah. though Bobrovsky wasn't tested that much against Edmonton, they're like Spencer Knight, go just steal us two points in a shootout. Yeah, I mean, and he did that. Watch, yeah, watching the game and again, like again, Shershkin not starting this game. Over Gorgiev starting against Arizona. It's like I, I've been saying, like the Rangers have been losing to like the big teams that someone has to lose, and they start and, and Carolina. And the big teams. Carolina the teams. is a full team, and they're heavy and they're big, and the Rangers got off. Carolina was taking care of the momentum of that game yesterday until and yeah, like you said, they showed. Hey, no, 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 we could do this too. Hey, no, 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 we're not just going to – no, no, no. And that's important yeah. that they come out of it with that and learn from it for a very young team. And, you know, you got to lose sometime, but learn from it. Yeah, so exactly. So when you make the playoffs in a seven-game series, there's no sweep. No. I there mean, there's going to be heart and, and it, there's going to be, you know, there's no giving up, especially when you got goalie like Shershkin – and even Gorgiev now for that tandem gives you the opportunity to get you if you have a slow start and then get you le- and get get your mojo going. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. I mean, I also Carolina doesn't lose down in in, in Raleigh. That's a just a crazy building. I've been there for playoff games. I've been and there. They're for a games. great team. They're a great they're team, top great. and bottom. I mean, be either one or two this year. In this yeah, division. I mean, look, Carolina is a-, a great team. We talked about it. Rob Brendan Moore, a great coach. I mean, Tony D'Angelo fits perfect with that team. Um, they're playing really well. And you forget that 
yeah, they signed Jesperi Kakaniemi because they're playing so well. It doesn't matter that he's not producing like he's that, that he what he got offer sheeted for. I mean, I know I hear a lot of complaints out there right now about Lafreniere not producing and stuff like that. Look, the kid's what in his second year in the league, third year in the league, like you know, the where he's playing and how he's developing. Same with Kako, it makes sense for them because I know, yeah, Reeves is behind him in points, but you know what? I think if Gallant trusts him a little bit more and puts him up top six, you're going to see the points there. Look, we've talked about it. We're going to talk about it again. I think the Rangers are going to be a player in the, at the trade deadline. I've heard other things, maybe keep his status quo, but I do think they need to add a depth forward. I think they may have to move, maybe make an adjustment on defense here and there, but they have the surplus, as you said, to make those moves. They even have draft picks that they can do to improve this team going into the playoffs. The Rangers are going to be fine. They're a good team, and they're showing why it it's it takes the right development path to get you into the playoffs. Look, they added Schneider on the back end now. When you're ahead of the plan, exactly. Oh, yeah. Schneider Ooh. on the back end, Keandre Miller, Adam Fox. I mean, those are foundational building blocks you want Schubert's on your defense. Twenty eight. He's the old man on defense. Right. Yep. I mean, the the odd man out and all this thing could be Hito. Yeah, because he's so damn streaky. I mean, he's the guy. You send him down to the minors. He comes up. He scores four goals in two games, and then you don't hear from him for two months. Right. He's got. He's got to play strong down the middle and drive to the net and well, play like a real top center. Well, otherwise, as a perimeter player, this team doesn't need him. They played him on the wing the last game, and he started doing well. Like they took him out of center, put him on the wing. Because as a center, he plays the perimeter. You don't need your center. To no, play your center plays down the middle. Yeah, exactly. Heedle's offense was better when they put him on the wing. Yeah. So, I mean, they then they got to worry about another center. Now you got Strom, you know, in his walk well, year. While he was deep at center. And might have to overpay him. Hurdle, hurdle, is Hurdle expendable because he's not going to be a center? Now you need a center in bottom six. Maybe kind of move by trade deadline to solidify, you know, the bottom six, like you're saying. They got options. I mean, yeah, they don't they have do. to. He, they got he great is expendable, but his value is not high. No. No. It's you may right just want now. to move him to the wing. You may want to move him to the wing because he may wind up scoring more than Kako or Lafreniere right now at this point. While they're developing. I think you are right about that. I think, yeah. I think Kako is just not scoring. I mean, every, everyone like on the, on, on, the, on the games, when you listen, you hear Micheletti talk about, oh, he's doing the right things. He's playing hard. He's getting better every day. But the bottom line is we live in New York and the fans look at the score sheet and they're not seeing his name on it. And right. this guy was a number two. And quite frankly, Mr. Hughes in right across the river has been playing a lot better lately. And that's making the number two pick in this draft look worse. Yeah. But again, the situation is different because Hughes is playing in the top six. Where's right. Taco playing? He's but not playing. But the fans don't see it that way. It's perception being real. Well, I know, and I see it. The same thing with Lafreniere. Oh, you took him number one. Why is he playing on the third line? Reeves is getting close to him in points. You got to understand the process, too. Yeah. You have to you understand. You got to learn to be a professional. You, you exactly. Gotta, and you got to learn how to play defense. You can't just, you know, you, you get, they're being taught how to play a two-way right. game. Right, so, Exactly. And, and that's really tough because those guys never had to play the two-way game because they were so dominant in junior. But but Gallant yeah. likes his guys, and and like you said, it, it's going to be tough for guys on a taxi squad or whoever to get into that lineup. But you know, 
but I think the Rangers are going to be fine. Look, like you said, nine and nine against better teams. They're beating yep. the teams that they're supposed and they beat to be everybody beating. Else. That's the recipe for success in this league. Exactly. It is. Speaking of a team they beat, Toronto, we mentioned them before. Do they have problems holding on to leads? That's <laughs> rearing their ugly head again. Should they I tell blown... everybody what I said at the game? <laughs> well, we'll get to that in a minute. In the past four to five games, they've had leads and blown them. They've got lucky a couple of times in one games, um, especially in Vegas. And then, obviously, the collapse against Colorado was unreal. Not all, on Cam- not all on Jack Campbell because he's playing great. Granted, Muzzin's hurt. They have, But they have to learn to hold on to leads because that's what kills them in the playoffs. Every Muzzin, time. Muzzin's big. Muzzin's big uh, loss back there for that. Well, granted, I heard this comment said, you know, when Toronto was playing more, you didn't see the problems. They still had flaws. And now when they're not playing as much, those flaws come out even more. Mark, what did you say at the game? So we we had a Toronto fan sitting in front of us, and I want to say it was just a little fun hijinks and gamesmanship between the two of us. And when they were up three to one, he was kind of giving it to me, and I was just like sitting there and, and going, yeah, 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 we'll see. And then all of a sudden, the worm turned, and the Rangers were just flying, and it looked like Toronto couldn't do anything. And at the end of the game, I said to him, "Well, looks like looks like looks like the Leafs are in first round playoff form." Yeah. It's true, man. It's that's, true. That's harsh, right? Yeah, I mean, look, they have they that have hurts. big time they have that big hurts. time issues. I mean, look, Muslims hurt. It, it, again, they have to figure out who they're gonna go after. Obviously, you know, Rangers are not chicken. I've heard Maple Leafs in on chicken. Like they want to add the defense. Leafs have cap issues. How are they gonna? They have exactly. They, they have so many cap issues. They may move out Nick. They're trying to move Richie and Dermot, but the problem is they need depth on defense. I don't know who's gonna want them. Look. Michael Bunting's played great. Kasha's played great for them as well. Matthews is a star in this league. Their top guys are performing. Well, Bunting made them forget about Zach Hyman. Exactly. So that yeah. was great. Um, but I think they need to start Mrazic more to give to give Campbell a rest. You signed yeah. him for a reason. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. I don't I didn't check who's starting tonight for uh, Toronto. It probably is Campbell. But if it's Mrazic, I wouldn't have a problem with it against the Islanders. I think that would be a smart play if it, if I was Toronto. You, you know nice. what Toronto should? You, you, they're going to be playing back to back to back to back. They got to keep Campbell not injured by not overextending his play all the time. Get Mrazek in, get him toned, tuned up like Gorgie have got tuned up. He's a good, very good goalie because you're going to need Campbell for the playoff. And if Campbell gets hurt, then what? You're going to put Mrazek in when he's not getting any work? Yeah. They're turning Campbell successful? into the new Fred. You can't expect that from a goalie. The tandems are the way to, especially this season now, like when you're going to talk about the schedule of remaking up all these games for the Canadian teams, back to back to back to back. You're going to need your goalies not overextended to have a chance. It's all about the tandem. you got to go 65-35 or 60-40. You can't have one guy playing 80% of the game. Not anymore. Burns him out. He's too fast. Yeah, way it, too fast. Way too fast, way too much. The, the schedule's been condensed. We had the new schedule come out this week, the revised schedule, a lot of games in in, uh, in February, especially during the Olympic break. They're making them up, a lot of back-to-backs. Teams are going to be playing a lot. You're going to have to ride your goaltending. Looks like Colorado's found Freddie Frances- Frances- Freddie Francois is playing well again for them. Ke- Kemper, eh, not so much. I'm still not sold on the goaltending going into the playoffs. I think that's where they need to upgrade – Realistically, I think that's what they're doing. 
Um, it's good to see Nazem Kadri going to all-star game. Uh, great player. He's playing for a contract. I hope Colorado keeps him or who, if he goes somewhere, he's going to get paid wherever he goes. He's a great player. Uh, but Colorado looking good, looking strong. I'm just not sold on that goaltending. I'm really, really not. 100% agree. Jay? Oh, okay. I did this to say if you want to, because I'm usually second, then I go yeah. after. But, um, you know what? Uh, Kemper, I, I've been, I was high on Kemper from the beginning only because of all the shots he had to face with bad teams. Now he's on a good team, and it's almost like he needs that old, like a little bit of hopefully for him and the team of just getting used to not having to face all these shots to be in the game like he's used to. Um, but they're definitely working. The media is definitely working the what what a coach would do, but saying, hey, Kemp, I don't know if you're good enough, man. Here's Francois. Go sit down. Like they did in that game, and Francois came in, and they won the game sitting Kemper after the first period. And and all, it's all you hear in, in all these broadcasts is they, they think they don't have much faith in Kemper, who they just signed. Francois, as any goalie, I don't care. You, it has to irk you. It has to irk you to, to pay attention. Maybe what's wrong with my game? I got to do something. I'm going to lose playing time. But it's good for the team as a whole that these guys are now feeling like, oh, I could be the number one. I could be the number one now. So, but if they have to make a deal by the trade deadline, it'll be because someone hasn't taken over as Grubauer did for them last year to go for a play for the Stanley Cup. It's Stanley Cup a bust. This it team is. is amazing. How this could you not? So this, team good. Is, this team has got a window and they've got to win. And they have to win. They're going to start to turn into Tampa if they don't find a way to win because they're so good. They're such yeah. a good team. They just don't have that extra element to push them over. I think they're missing the glue guys that Tampa had gotten. But also, Tampa had an elite goaltender. Yeah. Best goalie in the world. They, they had, had a they number have, one, period. Then it was right. whoever. Right. They exactly. don't have Colorado doesn't have that now. No, and even Grubauer wasn't an elite number one, but he was good enough to get them through two rounds. And if he didn't get hurt, you know, they would be probably making deeper runs than they did. But they have to find issues with goaltending. You know, real quick, let's go north of the border. I mean, it's a mess in Edmonton. I mean, I that team is just bad. Implosion. I don't know. 05 and 2 in their last seven. Feels like the coach is on the hot seat. Jay talked about it. You're talking about goaltending issues there. You got players fighting with the media. That's um, bad. Play, players, let me make an announcement to you. When you fight with the media, the media always wins because they get the last word. Exactly. I mean, look, I understand Dry Saddle's frustrated. I would be frustrated too in this situation. Um, but you know, if you wanna if you don't wanna be up there, I understand your media and stuff, but like he is right in one case that you know sometimes the reporters know a little bit too much than they lead on or they write more than they should, but you don't want to have that interaction. They're just a bad hockey team. They have a lot of flaws defensively. Goaltending have issues. They need to shore that up if they want to go anywhere. Uh, it feels like Tibbetts lost the room. I know Ken Holland says he doesn't want to make any changes midseason, but it's getting to a point where they have to do something. 
it, it's getting to the point where even when they have the lead, they're looking over their shoulders and waiting for the other team to catch up and, and, yes. and pass them by. They're expecting to lose. and That's not good. You can't mentally, be a successful yeah. team expecting to lose. No, you like, can't me- do that. Mentally, can't they're already, yeah, they're mentally, they're already defeated in themselves. Yeah, you can't do that. And, I mean, look, there's so much, you know, everybody talks about Connor and Leon and all. They just don't have enough depth anywhere around them to help them out. It can't no. just be a two-man show. Because but this is this has been the story for the last three or four years. It's not exactly. Changing. It's not changing. Like you thought it was changing at the beginning of the year. Now all of a sudden they're doing a tailspin. Like they have we, to get back to what worked for them. Well, we were talking about the goalies at the beginning of the year, and we were like, "Mike's look, we're all guys. I play goal, whatever. You, well, pro or not, you root for the old guy." But Mike Smith had a great year last year, but you signed him to an extension when there are other goalies out there. But but Jay, younger. you're relying but, on a 40 year old to to not get hurt again and to have Jay, the year before. But Jay, think about this: he played against six teams last year, three of which were good. <clears throat> like he didn't play a full season. Exactly. Like they didn't play against the rest of the league. It was the Mike perfect Smith season is, for the veteran guy to be able to right. make it through. But the issue is, they had better options to go get there instead of Miko Koskinen and Mike Smith. And they yeah, went and back to the they state. couldn't get rid of. They were they stuck with this. Got his old GM fight with that, giving Koskinen in that deal. So then you fight, do Smith to make yeah. a Stanley Cup and then you run. Got Koskinen fighting with his coach in the press. Yeah, and then like Mike Smith put the Coyotes to the to the conference final back in 2012 when they lost it years LA. ago. It's ten years ago, right? Exactly. Ten, ten years ago. Ten years ago. Ten yeah. years in a goalie is two hips and a freaking groin tear for the rest of your life. Right. At his age, to expect him At to do. Age, he's, he's, he's they had other goalies they could have signed. He was a free agent. They could have signed another goalie and fit. They could have got Grubauer. Yeah. They could have signed so many guys and they didn't do it. This is they on Ken Flurry. Holland for this. They could trade for Flurry they if he wants him. to go. Yeah. They could have got him even, if, even if before the season started. Right. Yeah. This is on Ken Holland for not improving this hockey club. This is why this team is bad. Right. It's on Ken Holland, but but Tip is going to be the one to, to be the fall. Exactly. Guy. Exactly. So, look, Edmonton's going to be a situation to watch going forward. They have a big game tonight against the Flames. It's going to be interesting to see. The there Battle is, of Alberta. Yes, there is. It's crazy right now. But, you know, so move back below the border. We'll go talk Boston real quick. First off, before we touch on Willie O'Ree night, which was a great night. It was a shame he couldn't be there for COVID. Boston playing a lot better. We talked about him last week. Got the rask Olmark situation. Maybe when Swayman comes back, like, what are they going to do? They got a three-headed monster there. Boston playing really good hockey right now. Playing really good hockey. I mean, it all started with breaking up the big line and spreading the wealth around, which, you know, helped. I mean, that's a, that's a big positive for them. I mean, McAvoy playing like he's a 10-year veteran as opposed to a guy what in his third season doesn't doesn't hurt at all. Uh, I think the goalie situation is a challenge because they don't have enough time or effort to play Rask and let him round into shape. You know, that's going to be the problem, and they've got to go with the guy who's going to make them win. Three-goalie situation never works. Never works anywhere. It's not going to work there, so they got to get it down to two. Obviously, they've got to do those kind of things. And I I think the team is, you know, they also have games in hand to make up, which helps them as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Detroit's six points behind them. They're, they're only, 
No, and I, and I think uh, they're only a point behind Washington, who's in a tailspin right now, but they're playing really well. Brad Marchand predicted. Yep. Pittsburgh's still playing well with Crosby. You know, another hat trick. Yeah, he's kid's a monster. Um, Should that be on team, the All Star team. I've been saying it. Hey, you know what? Let him rest. You know what? Who cares? Just let him rest. But, but let I, him get named and then let him say. Yeah, I'm exactly. But, but but give him his honor. You know. Right. Go going back to Boston with the goalie situation with Rask. Gave up five goals in that first was it one period. Yeah. The second game back. And he didn't look. He didn't look very good about uh, it was just a bad game on the bench. No, he knows what he's dealing with with his hip after the surgery. Boston's going to have to make a decision. Do you keep Swayman down if Rez doesn't come back to his old self if you're going for the cup? Right. Then you need Omar and Swayman. And then as, you know, Rez, you know, as far as his hips, Last year, being in the playoffs when he was injured, all that we root for him. We root for him. I root for him. I loved watching Rask. Great goalie, but they, like you said, but, the three-headed monster—they're the not going to be able to go the whole time. Who are your two best board. goalies right now? And have Rask? You know, um, he's, he, he signed for a million dollars because he wanted to be a Bruin. You know, so. Uh, like we were saying, he could have signed somewhere else for so much more. But then now what happens if he doesn't get back to his old form after a couple of more starts? Do you, well, do you, you're going to give up the key those? question here is when this team was on the on, on the upswing over the course of the last month and a half, he wasn't part of it. So no. that was not a missing piece here. No. Well, I always said the biggest thing is Tuka Rast wasn't like as much as he's been a great goalie and he could be once he finds his game. It's always been tough for for goalies to come back from her hip surgery right yeah. away. But it's not like they were missing him. Their goaltending was fine. It's their depth down very good. Their depth down the middle was the issue. And they moved Hala up to second line center, which has worked. They've yep. made the right adjustments that's made this team better. I yep. still think they need another center that can actually play. And I think that was the missing link. But they're playing better now. And that's a good thing for Boston because now that the Atlantic division is is crazy with all those good teams, you know, the champs of the champ. I mean, Kucherov, the, I mean, this guy, 11 points in six games. He's been back. <laughs> That's ridiculous. I mean, you must've thought it was the playoffs. Amazing. I think so. I mean, Tampa Bay is playing well. I mean, they had a stinker against Anaheim another night, but yeah, I, I, that I, happens. That was last night. I didn't think I, I, I would put my money on Tampa too. It was a shocker, but yeah, but you know what? They're, they're it's still playing well. The league, some of these games, you wouldn't expect to be what the score well, is. Well, I mean the other night. I mean the other night. I I like accidentally picked Flames over Panthers on Tuesday, and I got lucky. So I mean, look, that happens too. But you know, with Boston, you know, they had a nice ceremony the other night with Willie O'Ree. They retired his number yeah. twenty-two. That was a good ceremony. It was nice to see Willie's honored. You know, it took him a long time to get in the Hall of Fame. He should have been in as a player. Glad he went in as a builder. I understand like the games played and everything for what he's done off the ice for this game. I'm glad he got his number retired for Boston because, you know, put all that other stuff aside, the man deserved the honor. Absolutely. He, he did, and I, I, I thought about it, and I said to myself, you see the number 22 up there, and it's sitting amongst all of those Boston greats, which is great, but then I'm thinking to myself, wouldn't it have been a better honor to put up some sort of thing where it said, oh, re-pioneer, 
with his picture up there because I think he's more than a number. Because, yeah. Because of what of what he went through and what he did. I mean, we're still seeing players on the in the AHL, which I don't want. To, we're not going to get into that story today. Yeah. But where there's still racist comments happening in the league, and there's and, and there's and, and just in hockey in general, and for what he went through sixty something years ago, you know, you know how tough that was. Yeah. Uh, my only detraction here is. Why on the 64th anniversary? Why didn't we just wait till next year on the 65th, a round number when COVID, knock on wood, will be gone and he could be there in person? That yeah, I wish, I wish he well, could have been there. Maybe for that reason, like you said, he's an older guy, COVID. Maybe they wanted to do it while he's alive and not wait the year just out of well, respect that, for him and not do it about. after he's gone. So but that's what we I'm don't know. About you. I'm like thinking, was he in bad, yeah. he in bad health? I don't know. I mean, the last time I, mean, I saw him, and this was 11 years ago now, I was up at the Heritage Classic in Calgary, went to the game. It was awesome. I freeze my ass off going hmm. to that game, but it was fun. Oh, Got yeah, you freeze your ass off. Met the alumni, both teams, Canadians and Flames. It was awesome. You got to see all the 86, 89 guys there. It was awesome to see. Put the put, Play another hockey game. It was really, really fun. But I'm coming home. And I'm in the airport in Calgary, and I see the guy with the fedora, and I'm like, wait a minute, that's Willie O'Ree. So I went over to him. I was talking – like, he was headed back to San Diego. He had come up to do some ambassador stuff. So I was talking with him before he got on and signed the puck. We were talking. He was a really nice guy. He is a it's, very nice guy. He's a very nice guy. Well-spoken individual. Gentleman. Class, yes. I've... Very good gentleman. You know, I was part of the petition. I mean, everybody was to get him in a hockey hall of fame. Glad he got in. I watched the ceremony. It's just a, just a good individual to represent the game of hockey. There's, there's no doubt about that. No, no one has a bad word to say about the guy, which is always an important thing. It's so weird because as a kid in the seventies, learning about hockey, his name hardly got mentioned. No. The momentum for him actually started building. I would say like in the nineties. Yeah. 90s. When he became yeah. the ambassador of the right, NHL. But, but that's the thing is here's a guy who could have just walked away from the game and said, you know what? I went through enough crap. I cleaned that up because I would have said the S yeah. And I'm just going to go on with my life. And instead, he's dedicated his life to being an ambassador, to working with youth, and not just youth of color, but all youth, yeah. to, to really inspire people to enjoy the game. And, and that's really been his niche. He's been a pioneer. He's done so much with that. And, you know, it's, it's just amazing because, like I said, in the 70s, the 80s, and most of the 90s, if you ask somebody who the first man of color was to play in the NHL, nobody would have known the answer to that question. No, I mean, the only no. reason I knew about it is because I did it for, like, in, in school and stuff. We would, like, oh, for Black History Month. And I was like, Willie O'Ree, I, I didn't know who he was. And then I right. discovered he's and the first. Black... Guy you didn't know what he was. I didn't even know. Like, they, it. because it, no. wasn't, like, it wasn't as prominent like it was in baseball with Jackie Robinson. Like, But, but you, know, you know what? I was talking to some fans at the game the other day, and, and I think the reason that happened was because Jackie made the Hall of Fame Forget about being the first black man to play baseball. He was a freaking superstar. Yeah. And changed the game. So he, I don't care if he was purple, he was making the Hall of Fame because Jack right. was a tra transformational baseball player as well as a man who tra who was transformational in, in bringing people who were marginalized into the game. Yeah. Now, Willie, on the other hand, due to injuries and, 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 and the a blindness in his eye. Yeah. People don't realize that he played for years legally blind in one eye. But you didn't tell anybody that because if they knew, they'd take advantage or they'd cut you. 
It was a six-team league where guys were banging heads with each other just to get a spot in the league and to play. There were guys in the A who would have been in the NHL if it was a 12-team league. And yeah. so he knew that. But the key thing is that he was a guy who fought on, persevered, and he never lost his class or his dignity. He really is the man in the fedora. Yeah, he really yeah. is. He's such a great, such a great individual, such a great man. I'm just glad he got his honor. Like I said, it's a shame he couldn't be there in person. Yeah, that, that really, glad. really took a lot out of, yeah. out of it for me. But I'm glad he had a video presence. Give a shout out to Kevin Weeks, who did a great uh, intro piece on him. Anson uh, Carter. Anson Carter, all the guys, Ryan Reeves, like all the guys give so much credit to Willie. Like I've said, I've texted Kevin Weeks via uh, Instagram. You know, I've always said I think he would be a great general manager in the league, just the knowledge that he does. And I always just, you know, just commend he's got him a on better his work. Than that. <laughs> no, I know he does. I mean, he's got, he, he does color commentary. He's really good at that. He's got a better gig. There's no, oh, he's, color commentary. he's such a great, he's such a great guy. And he's, again, you want to talk about great human being. Like Willie, he's just following the footsteps of being a great ambassador for the game. And he was a good goalie, too. Yeah, so he was like, a goalie. Do, 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 I, do I sound a little Hollywoodish if I say that, you know, Revo's scoring those two goals the day after, you know? No. It's, it's not, right? It's like, no, it's not Hollywood. For him, right? Yeah, it was inspirational. I mean, look, the guy who set the stage for other guys to make it in the League of Color. I mean, look, Grant Fuhr did it in that position. Like Kevin Weeks says, Grant Fuhr, you know, he, you know, he did it for him. Like, you see, like those guys want to do good by Willie, and yeah, you you had a couple goals against Toronto. Yeah, of course you wanted to do it for Willie. Of course, I mean, it's not Hollywood. It's you know, you want to, you want to play, you want to play for, do good for the guys who did it before you. I, I was yelling, could he get an empty yeah. net goal at the end of the game and get the Hattie? But that no. That would have nah, been too Hollywood. They tried. That would have been, been too Hollywood. They had him exactly. on. They tried for him. For sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was absolutely. nice to see that he was emotional, uh, Mr. Mr. You know. Yo, Ron, Ronnie, Ronnie, uh, Bo, Ron, Ronnie uh, Harvin Jr. says RIP Clark Gillies. So, absolutely. Yeah. But you know what? It's been a fun show. Fun show. Fun yes. show today. A lot of hockey left today. Flyers lost again. They're bad. Bruins and Winnipeg playing right now. Loaded card tonight. I hope everybody enjoys the games tonight. Enjoy the hockey. Have fun. Be safe out there. And thank you for tuning in for to the last word on hockey here on Mad Radio Network. This has been season three, episode 13. And Ronnie says one more time, yay, Willie O'Ree. Of course, give a shout out to 22. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We will see you next week. I'm Jim Berenger, Coach Jay, Mark Weiss. Thanks for doing it with us. We'll see you next week. Take care. Bye, everyone.